What is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 23 of Park Sportsbook Presents Stick to Hockey Live. It is Jason Martinez. Uh, we're going to have Bill Melter join us in just a second, and we're going to see if Craig Button is going to join or not. <laughs> I'll tell the story if he doesn't, of how uh, we kind of thought he was coming on. We'll see if he comes on. Said he could do it, and I just haven't heard back from him in the last couple of days. But send him the link. We'll see if he joins. And uh, obviously, I'd love to talk to Craig Button and love talking to Bill Melter as well. And Tones Takes today on Park Sportsbook presents Stick to Hockey Live. Make sure you download the Park Sportsbook app there. You can navigate it, check it out, get comfortable, easy to easy to navigate, easy to figure out how to use. And all you have to do is open up the account, deposit, first bet, risk-free up to $500. It's that simple. So easy. You can bet on over-unders on player performances, on goals, points, power play points, first to score, exact score, two score, uh, the money line, parlays, props, same game parlays. It's all there and all simple and easy to use. So make sure you check it out. It's the Park Sportsbook app. You just go to the Android uh, app store or the uh, iPhone app store, download it. Again, open an account, no promo required. Deposit your first bet will be risk-free up to $500. So very simple. Um, it's easy as pie, and you don't have to be a savant on your phone to be able to use it. So make sure you check it out. It is the Park Sportsbook app, and make sure you follow Parks on the social channels, at Park Sportsbook on Twitter. Uh, follow them on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram as well. There you'll get great content. You'll also get uh, daily specials and tons more. We're pumping out a ton of content, which is awesome to see. Tons of podcasts, live streams. Also, uh, you know, you get guys like all through the football season, Rich Gannon. He was awesome. Eddie Alvarez, Natalie Aganoff, Sam Wilson. This show, Aji's with Harry, which we're actually going to have tomorrow because uh, Harry is traveling. We had some, uh, had to make some changes to the schedule for this week. And um, so we'll have Aji's podcast episode, I think, 12 tomorrow yeah episode 12 tomorrow with harry mason myself so still a lot uh, to come this week and a brand new episode here of park sportsbook presents stick to hockey live a lot to get into and one of the things to get into on this episode is going to be morgan frost and we'll see if we'll see if craig button joins or not he may be ghosting me but right now you read his work at philadelphiaflyers.com nhl.com and hockeybuzz.com one of the guys that I probably talk to more than my own wife. It is Bill Meltzer on Park Sportsbook presents Stick to Hockey Live. What's going on, Bill? Yeah, I'll be talking to my own wife at some point later today. But <laughs> uh, no, every, every, everything's uh, you know, everything's going well. Another interesting day in Flyerland. Yeah, it seems like there's a ton of debate right now, Bill, um, around Morgan Frost and usage because you know we see some of the players like Konechny, Sanheim. Um, some of the younger players, young-ish players, really kind of starting to excel, even though the team's not winning, but just excel in their play and the structure and everything under Mike Yo. Uh, but that and that brings up Morgan Frost and usage, and boy, it's been a big hot debate for a couple of days now on social media. Uh, it, it definitely has. Um, you know, I mean, also Morgan was sent down over uh, over the NHL All Star break along with Cam York, so. A lot of the, you know, a lot of discussion with Morgan dovetails in the, the Cam York too, but um, yeah, I mean, with, with Morgan, I think it's because you know he's he's uh, his name has been out there for so long, 
right? And, and he put up such huge junior numbers and was an AHL all-star as a rookie, and he scored goals in his first two NHL games. And, um, you know, there, there's a hope. I mean, I, I, I shared that hope that he would make a relatively quick impact, make, make the adjustments he's had to make. Um, you know, I, I think that, as you said, the, the debates come down to a couple of things. Will he make those adjustments and, and be able to be a productive player the NHL level? And is he being in, is he being put in the best position to succeed? Um, you know, truthfully, and it's something you and I have discussed privately, and I, we've discussed uh, a couple of times on, on Flyers Daily. I mean, I would personally like to see him use a little bit differently than he has mm-hmm. been. Um, you know, I mean, if you look at the look at the Flyers, you know, most, most recent game against the Blues, he was put in the first power play unit, and yeah. after the game. Who did, who did Mike Yo single out for playing particularly well in the power play? Yeah. Frost. Yeah. And he said that he was, a, he was in a one-on-three situation, and he actually didn't panic, and he created scoring created scoring chance out of that. Yeah. Um, he'd been off the power play essentially for two games entirely. Before that, for really for the pretty much the entire duration of uh, Mike Yo's tenure, and the, the power play, both units, has really struggled all year. I mean, other than, other than the first six games of the season. So it's not like anybody's been lighting it up on the power play, yeah. but uh, and you know and, and that that includes Frost. I mean, Frost has had a lot of failed entries and things too, where he looked like everybody else looked. But you know, but if you if you go to the two games where he was essentially off the power play, he did have one PP two shift, um, the previous yeah the, the previous game, and that was when Jerry Mayhew scored a power play goal. Well, who started the puck rotation? That was, you know, he didn't get he didn't get an assist off of it. It was like Bing, 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 and in the net. It was uh, it was Frost to I think it was Frost to um, Ratcliffe, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, somebody else had a touch in between too. It was Frost well, let's bring, to Ratcliffe? Let's bring in yeah. let's bring in uh, uh, Craig Button right now because he's a guy from TSN. He's the director of scouting for TSN. He is a great guy, and this is actually his second appearance on stick to hockey joined us years ago and there he is look at oh man all casual i love it man you look great thanks i just uh I, i've been going through some implant surgery uh, it's, it's a long process when you get an implant so i had a i had a, an appointment today they they're just getting ready to put in the uh the artificial tooth so Ooh. i'm feeling good uh they, they asked me if i needed painkillers I said, uh, no, I, I, I'll probably just have a little bit of discomfort. I'm not so worried. I don't know if Flyers fans can say that they don't need painkillers after <laughs> watching this Flyers team this year. <laughs> yeah, we're all going to end up in rehab, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't point. want that to happen. You know, maybe just a simple aspirin might help you get through the pain. Yeah, it's uh, Jason Bertitas, Bill Meltzer, and from TSN, Director of Scouting, and uh, great guy, Craig Button. Craig, I want to start. I want The first question I want to ask you is, were you – as a guy that worked with Clarky, were you surprised at uh, his uh, Cam and Strick appearance and some of the things he had to say regarding Nolan Patrick and uh, and some other Flyers uh, prospects and, and draft picks along the way? <laughs> no, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, <laughs> and, and, and I'll tell you why. So, you know, when you think about the Philadelphia Flyers, I mean, there, there's one person that comes to mind that – you know, is the face of the Philadelphia Flyers and will forever be the face of the Philadelphia Flyers. And that's Bobby Clark, uh, Robert Earl. And so what does Bob Clark care about more than anything on the planet? He cares about the Philadelphia Flyers. 
right? And he wears those emotions on his sleeves. And, you know, you know, you know, Ron Hextall is a flyer and we know how much he, he battled for the flyers and everything. But if you're not with the flyers, Bob Clark doesn't care about, he doesn't care. And, you know, was it accurate? Was it not accurate? What, you know, we can all debate it. But I think what Bob was doing, there's a lot of questions that go back and, you know, why didn't you draft a car? Why'd you draft Nolan Patrick and everything? And so I think Bob was just defending the scouts and defending the scouting staff. You know, what's the most perfect uh, eyesight you have? It, it, it's hindsight, right? And so yeah. we all know what we should have done. Everybody knows what we should have done. I mean, we should have invested in this or bought that. Like we know, same thing with the draft. And I really believe that Bob was just defending the scouting process. And, you know, we, we can argue whether it was whether it was accurate or whether it was fair to Ron Hextall. Ron hasn't responded, and he's just kept uh, mom on the word. But let's just go back and look at Nolan Patrick was a really, really talented, talented yeah. player coming into the draft. I always go back and say, if, if there was debate about who, who – I'm trying to find all the, all the articles that said you shouldn't have drafted Nolan Patrick. Let's just go find them. Let's go find them for – like I was part of it. I knew Cal McCarr. I knew how good Cal McCarr was. I thought Nolan was a, was a terrific prospect. So I'm not going to sit here. I, I can be right after the fact. Uh, at, at the, when you go back and you look at it, Nolan, Nico Hischer, you know, you got Haskinen, you got McCarr, you got Pedersen, right? Every draft is going to do I mean, if the Flyers get Claude Giroux somewhere in the 20s, you know, they, they, they couldn't even remember his name when, when Bob got up to the, to the podium, right? So, I mean, one of the funny moments, right? So, I mean, it, I, I'll accept anything that says if there was a debate about Nolan Patrick at two at that time, and keep this in mind, guys, uh, Bill and Jason, the Flyers won the lottery that year. They moved from 12 to two. I can guarantee you that when you're drafting in the 12 range, you're not really focused in on the top end of the draft, right? You're not. And the fact of the matter is all of a sudden you're sprung up there. You're going, okay, what are we thinking? I think the flyer scouts are very thorough. I think Ron Hextall is very thorough, but as it relates to Bob Clark, make no mistake about it. If you're on his team, he's going to defend you to the, to the, to the end. If you're not on his team, he don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Craig, we were just actually, before you jumped on, we were just talking about another player, the Flyers drafted in 2017. We were talking about the development cycle in Morgan Frost. And Morgan put up huge numbers in the Ontario League, uh, did well in the World Juniors, made the AHL All-Star game as a rookie, and has largely, other than two goals in his first two NHL games, largely struggled to produce at the NHL level. So I'm curious, do you think where he's at in terms of his adjustments to to put himself in the position to succeed at the NHL level and if you think things will click for him at some point yeah so so I want to preface that with uh with uh, a commentary about Ron Hextall so Ron Hextall in those draft meetings they were going through the draft and they were talking about all these players and he and Ron, this is Ron telling me like in you know I'll paraphrase he said in, in our meetings Everybody agreed on Morgan Frost. Everybody liked him. Everybody thought that he had all this, had really good NHL potential. And he said, so I said, I said, why don't we trade up and get him? He said, you know, usually there's disagreement and a little bit of debate, even some friction on, on different players as, as you, as you talk. Because I never heard that where every single player, every single person in the scouting group liked them. And Ron traded to get a first round draft pick to draft Morgan Frost. So, you know, 
there's part of the process that a lot of people may not know, right? You know, that's Ron Hextall listening, right? So I have a hard time thinking that Ron Hextall wasn't listening to his scouts about Kale McCarr if that was the case. Anyway, I'll just leave that one alone. But here's what I will say. I think that Morgan Frost might be in a very similar spot as the just recently hired Daniel Briere. Daniel Briere mm-hmm. was on waivers. He was drafted in the first round by the Arizona Coyotes, Phoenix Coyotes at the time. He went, he went through waivers. Anybody could have had Danny Briere. He was a top scoring player. He, he was diminutive. He, he wasn't, and, and he needed to learn and he needed, and maybe he needed a new place to learn and, 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 and sort of, you know, blossom and, you know, spread your wings. I, I think Morgan is very similar to Danny Briere, you know, and, you know, I'd, I'd be interested to, to hear Danny talk about Morgan, what he's seen, been around him, and, and try to relate it to his own experiences. But that's how I see Morgan Frost. It, it might not, it might not happen in Philadelphia, but I think there's a path for him to have success at the NHL level. And I think it might be similar to where Danny Briere found himself, who became a really good NHL player. Took him a couple of places. Uh, took him a couple of stops to find it really uh, that place. But what he did. There was no question that he was a, a good NHL player. Yeah, and he was a great playoff performer, too. And Wasn't Danny, he? Oh. oh, God. He just raised his game to another level. And the thing about Danny, too, I remember talking to him about it. He just had to figure out how to give himself some space on the ice uh-huh. as a diminutive uh, statured player. Uh, let's talk about a guy that uh, lived at Danny Breer's house because his name is out there, and that would be Claude Giroux early in his career. He was uh, bunking up at Danny with the kids and everything. And Claude's name's out there all over the place, Craig. You've heard the, the obvious ones like Colorado, and we've heard St. Louis, Minnesota, Florida, perhaps, and maybe Carolina, even the Rangers. Uh, when you look at the, the possible acquisition of Giroux at the deadline for a team, first of all, where do you see his game right now? How much can he add? And then also, where do you think is a, a good location for him to go, provided he would waive his no-move clause to go to that specific destination? Okay, so what I would say to you, Jason, where wouldn't be a good place for Claude Giroux? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, I kind of chuckle when I hear the report. Well, it wouldn't be a good – trust me, Claude Giroux could fit it anyway. I, I think you make a really good distinction. Where's his game at now where he can help? So you you mentioned the Colorado Avalanche. Like, I mean, you have McKinnon, you have Nazem Kadri. I mean, he settles in there as a third-line center, can play right wing, play under power play. I mean, that just makes it uh, an already strong team that much stronger. And and I feel that way about Claude in so many different places. Is he a front-line player like he once was? No, he's not that player anymore. But he's a competitor. He's still got lots of skill in his game. He's still got lots of game. But you put him in different situations and you surround him on a good team and you ask him to do what he can do right now. You know, I look at teams, and so I look at it in, for, from this perspective. There, there's no question I think he could help any team looking to, to, to push their team along in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But I look at a team like Minnesota, who's in Colorado's division, and th- they don't have a player like Cloak, that type of ability yeah. uh, offensively. And, and they can close that gap somewhat on, mm-hmm. on, on the Colorado Avalanche. I mentioned this today to somebody and then like, I'm not trying to start any types of rumors or anything. I'm just looking at it and I'm looking at the Calgary flames and I'm just saying like, you know what? Like phone Chuck Fletcher, if I'm Brad Trey living, I'd say, you know, would you be interested in, in, in talking to me about Claude? And, and here's where I would go. I, I would ask him if he was interested in Sean Monaghan. 
Sean Monahan has term left. You know what? Claude coming into the team, playing behind Lidholm and back and Backlund, the power play and everything. So I'm I'm thinking about it not, not to start rumors or to put players, but just thinking about hey, where else could he fit in? Calgary's a really good team. Claude yeah. would make them that much better, and I think that you could make that argument. Why would Claude wave his wave his no move to go someplace where he doesn't look at it and say, "I got a legitimate chance to have success here," and I think he should do that. I think that. Uh, you know, when, you, when you're in this position and you have so many suitors, pick your spot. Pick your spot. But if I'm a team, if I'm Florida or anybody that's serious, Carolina, whoever, I'm making the calls to Chuck Fletcher because I want to find out, number one, what the price is, and number two, would Chloe Wade to come to my club? One of the guys who, uh, speaking of issues around, you know, around the Flyers right now, um, there's, there's been a lot of talk lately about the – particularly the recent play of Ivan Provorov. And, you know, he plays a lot of minutes, 25, 27 minutes, sometimes even a couple times this year, close to 30 minutes during a game. They they haven't had Ryan Ellis this season. There's a huge burden on the player, but there's also expectations that come with that. Um, And, you know, during a couple of the losing streaks, you know, Ivan particularly recently has had, you know, had some games or situations where he has not been the best defenseman on the ice, has not been one of the best players on the ice. Um, so uh, naturally what follows with that is when a team is in the situation the Flyers are in, you know, it was always Ivan Provorov is untouchable, Provorov is untouchable. Um, if, you know, if, if it were your assessment, your decision to make, how untouchable would he be? You know, and obviously you're not giving a player away, but, but how willing would you be to, to talk about possibilities? Well, I, I think you always should be open-minded, Bill, about uh, about possibilities, and, and and then you go through the process. You you examine what it means. Okay, you know what, what could uh, return for Ivan Provorov mean? What kind of hole does that leave in our lineup? What type of players do we have that could come in and provide us, you know, real good, strong play on the blue line? So that would be. The, I I never close my mind to considering things, but you know, one of the things that happens with players. And, 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 and football and certainly in uh, hockey, you know, you, you, you're also going to function uh, depending on what's around you. And you talked about the burden and, you know, no Ryan Ellis. And, you know, the, the Philadelphia Flyers haven't been a team that's functioned very well this year. So because they're lacking in so many different areas. And I'm going to a, I'm gonna go to a football example. Matthew Stafford was the first overall pick in the NFL draft. He was a really good quarterback with the Detroit Lions. He never had a chance to win. God himself couldn't go to Detroit and win there, right? And so he ends up getting traded in a big deal, you know, for Jared Goff, who who had gone to the Super Bowl with the Rams and lost and everything. And there's, wow, he's never won. Well, you put him in an environment where you ask him to be at his very best. You ask him to do what he does at his best. And all of a sudden, now you're looking at Matthew Stafford, Super Bowl champion, right? And I think that... I can only think of a handful of players in hockey and even in history of hockey that could carry a team, you know, by themselves that were those, those players. You, you, Bobby Clark was one of those guys, you know, Sidney Crosby, you know, McDavid, right? Like, you know, there's so very few of them, right? The vast majority, the, all the rest of the players, they need support. They need to be, it's not that they're not willing to do more, but, but, but when you ask them to do more and they don't have the support behind them, you, you, they get stretched. And like a rubber band, it, it, they, they lose a little bit of their elasticity and then sometimes they, they break. But, you know, that rubber band isn't as strong as it was when you weren't stretching them out. 
I think that that's what's happened with Provo, uh, Provorov as it has happened with other players. So I finish with this. You better be really careful. He, he's 25 years old. <laughs> he's got qualities and elements that to me are, are really valuable. So it's not, nothing wrong with considering it, but you better look at this year's season, the team, and put it in the context. Uh, and don't just dispatch a player because he might not have had a good season. Yeah, he may be the guy that you, you surround to to help. Some guys, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, ro- we've talked so much, Craig, about roster building. And it's great to have talent in the NHL, but those pieces got to fit. They got to complement each other. You got to have guys in certain roles willing to do their job and go out every night and punch the ticket and do their job. When you look at this Flyers team, you know, it, th- there's some talent here. Travis Konechny it has talent. Travis Sanheim's got talent. Pro has got talent. You know, when they're healthy with Couturier and Hayes and all that, that's been another a whole other part of the equation is health. But do the pieces fit? What do they have to do to get this thing moving in the right direction? What's, what's Chuck Fletcher's kind of job at hand here? Well, I think that, you know, Jason, when you talk about pieces, it, it is a puzzle. Roster building is a puzzle. And you, you, you need to have your outline. You need to have your cornerstone pieces, right? Then you build it through the middle, right? Like nobody starts building a puzzle trying to figure out what the middle piece is. You better get, the, you better get your outline or pieces in. So when I look at the Flyers, I, I think they do have some really good pieces in place, good puzzle pieces in, in with respect to players. But, you know, you look back to championship teams and you look back, you know, how good was Barkley Goudreau? And how good was Yanni Gord? And how good was Blake Coleman? I mean, uh, you, you look at what uh, Julian Brisebois did. He went and traded first-round picks for uh, Goudreau and for, and for Coleman. And he traded a good prospect at Nolan Foote to get uh, a Coleman. But, but he, he knew he had skill, but he knew he needed other elements in, in, in his group. You know, everybody would like more skill. If you could just load it up with skill and just try to overwhelm people with skill, I like your chance. Well, we have a salary cap. And skill gets paid. Yep. So if you're not building out the other parts of your lineup, you're going to fall short because your skill can only do so much. And I think that for the Philadelphia Flyers and Chuck Fletcher and his group, it's about mm-hmm. understanding where do we find those players? Where do we find those players that can come in and, and make us hard to play against, that make us challenging to play against? I talked about the Calgary Flames. I look at the Calgary Flames and there's a lot of talking about, oh, they didn't do very much. They didn't do very much. They added Blake Coleman. They added Trevor Lewis. Daryl Sutter wasn't asking those guys to come in and be frontline players. He said, I need these players to come in and support Goudreau and support Lindholm and support Kachuk. Kachuk and Goudreau and all those guys, they play, they, but they were stretched thin. The blue line was stretched thin. You know, you, they have Zadorov and Gabranson. Their bottom pair group, uh, their, their bottom pair duo. But what Daryl asked them to do, they're really capable, and it takes some of the pressure off. You know, you talk, Bill, about Provorov. So now you got to – he not only has to play against the other team's best players, he's got to play on the power play. He's got to – you know, he's got to – he's got to, you know, play on the penalty kill, right? Well, Daryl split that up. So now a Noah Hannafin can, can, can thrive to a, to a greater extent. The other players, you're not asking them to do everything. And, you know, you look at Gord and Coleman and, and – and, and, uh, and Goodrow, yeah, they won two Stanley Cups. But, but to me, that's a great example of roster building and adding different elements and dimensions yeah. to your lineup. 
Totally I don't think agree. the Flyers have that. I don't think the Flyers have multiple dimensions in their forward group and, and, and real significant elements to take some of the pressure off the blue line. You know, Carter Hart to me is a good goaltender. And I, I think at any time when you have fissures in your defensive play as a group and, and, and certainly on the, on the blue line, it's going to affect the goaltender in a negative way. Like, I, I and, and yeah, he's got to play better. And yeah, we, we look at it going, should he be concerned? But I think if you improve some of the areas in front of them and around the team, the, the goaltending to me wouldn't be a wouldn't be something that's going. Geez, I got I got to get this. They're not the Edmonton Oilers who yeah. who, who who have a massive hole in the net. Yeah, yeah, and, and Craig, you were talking about you know roster building and becoming a harder team to play against. You know, which made which that led me to thinking of you know the Flyers brought in Rasmus Ristolainen at a very expensive cost. They cost him a first round pick, a second round pick, and a roster player. Um, now he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. He's never played a playoff game yet in his career, and this won't be the year when he plays one. There, so there are some decisions to make, and I'm curious as to where you know you stand on that. Trade him. There's got to be interest in him at the deadline. Trade him. I mean, yeah. I, I'm amazed. Honestly, I, I know the teams are up against the cap, so many teams, and we know what's happened because of the pandemic and it's limited teams' ability to maneuver. So they're going to have to be creative. But when I see names like Colin Miller on the trade bait list in the top 10, and I don't see Rasmus Ristolainen, sorry. Like, you know what? Like, it's not like Colin Miller has this great record of four Stanley Cups and been around, right? Like, you know, Luke Chen, I can understand because he's played, he's been a depth defenseman. But if I'm Chuck Fletcher, hey, I, 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 I'm going to try. Are you going to get the same return on Rasmus Ristolainen that the Buffalo Sabres got? No, you're not. But if I'm a team around the NHL and I'm looking for somebody to come in and just give me a shot on the power play, right? Give me 15 minutes. You know, like, I think you have to be realistic. If you're asking Rasmus Ristolainen to come in and be a frontline defenseman, you're going to be disappointed. He isn't that, right? And uh, we know that the Flyers in the offseason look to reconfigure their group, especially on the blue line and move some players in. And obviously Ryan Ellis out, Ristolainen, you know, coming in. When I say Ellis out with an injury. So that's impacted them. But if I'm looking at these free agents and unrestricted, the roster has to change. And I don't see risk aligning at his dollars being part of the future of the Philadelphia Flyers. Craig, this is, I think, maybe the biggest question I'm going to ask you. You are such a seasoned guy. You've been in an executive. Uh, you basically have been around this game, according to your Wikipedia, since birth. You were born into <laughs> hockey. <laughs> That's what the Wikipedia page says. But Bill and I have talked about this quite a bit. And Flyer fans, there's, there's differing. There's burn it to ash and rebuild it. And, and get the high draft picks for multiple years. We've seen teams do that. Hasn't really resulted in much for most of those teams. You know, stripping it all the way down is no guarantee that you're coming back up and you're going to be a perennial contender for some extended period of time. Or is it retool? Is it rebuild? What, what's the way that the, this team should handle it? Because I don't even know what you call it, but what does Craig Button do to put this team back on the map? And what kind of time frame is that? you know, kind of take to do it. Well, you, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a believe in the, I mean, there's lots of different theories, burn it down, you know, you know, the scorched earth theory, right? Yep. The Buffalo Sabres haven't been in the playoffs for 11 straight years. Yeah. The, the Edmonton Oilers don't look any closer to success and they've had, they've had four first overall picks. Okay. Yeah. They don't look like they're any closer to success. 
you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Cup in 04, lockout, came back, recognized maybe they weren't as good, that they, they dipped, and then they, they were able to draft Stamkos and Hedman, and then pff, away they went, right? Like, so I don't think there's one answer to it. I would, like, I'm not a scorched earth person. I don't, I don't think professional sports, I'll t- when I finish here, I'm going to share a story with you about Bob Clark when he was, when I was with him in Minnesota. And, you know, that, that really helped me understand clear, not, not, not that I didn't believe it or anything, but he, but he made me really understand it. So, you, you know, you have Konechny, Travis Konechny's 25, Provorov's 25, Sandheim's 26. Like, you know, they're young players. Like, these aren't players. Carter Harvey's 24. Like, you know, you, 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 like when I talk about the puzzle, and you look at the corner piece, I think they have corner pieces. I think they have pieces. Do they have all of them? No. Do they Do they have to build out their roster like as, as we've talked about? Yeah, they do. But I think that where you're at with the Philadelphia Flyers, and they have some good prospects. They do have some good prospects. So, you know, you start to look at it in its entirety. I, I, I don't see them as a team that's got to just burn it down to the, to, to the ground. I, and I don't believe that. I look at the Arizona Coyotes and I just, I bring them up because people go, oh, look at what they're doing. Well, to me, they've never been committed one way or the other. The, yeah. the, the arena situation has been terrible. Their team, they, they, they chased it and everything. I think right now people are making a big fuss about them playing uh, on the college campus at Arizona State and everything. But what they're trying to do, the new owner who's committed to hockey in Arizona, he's trying to align the team with a building so that in three or four years time, you know, you, you find your, your, yourself in a place where you can have a chance at success. So that's a very different scenario. Yeah. Bob Clark, 1991. Our team in Minnesota, Bob Ganey was the coach. We were, I think, in our meetings at the end of January, we were four points out of last place. Lindros was the prize. Lindros was the prize. I'd, I'd, I'd like to tell you we didn't have the discussion about not trying to make sure we could get Lindros at first overall. We, we had it. And we were talking about it. Bob Clark said, I'll never be part of that. I'll never be part of that. Professional sports is not about trying to lose. He goes, it doesn't mean that you don't recognize, uh, you know, what you have to do to, to become better and, and to win perennially. But the idea of trying to lose on purpose, it, 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 he said, it'll never sit with me. And he goes, if you want to be in professional sports, and you have an idea to lose on purpose, he goes, you're in the wrong business. Bob Clark is still a big influential voice in the Philadelphia Flyers uh, organization. And that's why when I look, when we, everybody talks about the original six, right, in the NHL. I call it the original seven because I think the Philadelphia Flyers are that team that established themselves very clearly as one of the so you look at a great fan base, you look at a, at a history that's, that, that had early success, that's been dotted with near success, and finds themselves here now. I don't think it has to be scorched earth. I really don't. And I think in, maybe in Arizona it could fly, and for the reasons I just said, Edmonton's got a long, strong hockey history too. It hasn't worked there. Yeah. And they've been sold out in Edmonton for years. Philadelphia Flyers fans, Philadelphia sports fans, they're not tolerating meteorography. <laughs> no. And then and Edmonton may have the best, most skilled player to ever put skates on his feet. And it still hasn't gotten them 
to any sort of promised land. That that's the scariest part about it for me, Craig. I mean, you have Drysidle and McDavid, and it hasn't resulted in team success. If that doesn't tell you this is a team sport more than anything in the world, I don't know what does. I totally agree with you, right? And so, yeah. so I mean, we started talking about this as roster building and fitting in the different pieces that are essential to winning, right? I think, I think that it would be different if the Flyers had 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 busted on the five previous drafts and they didn't have prospects or they didn't have young players in their lineup. And you go, oh boy, we're old and everything. You you might have a different conversation around them. But looking at their roster, I don't see that. I I, I don't see. I, 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 an organization that's in that place. Is it going to take some, some, some creativity? Is it going to take some imagination? Is it going to take some boldness? Yeah, I think it does. I think it will, but I think that they have people in place that can affect change in a positive manner. Yeah. Yeah. My, my last question for you, Craig, um, you know, this isn't just flyers. It's overall um, like to pick your brain a little bit on this upcoming draft. Um, you know, here it's, it's below average. You hear it's a strictly an average draft. You know, there, there's debate on, on Shane Wright. I mean, there's all, there's always these these discussions every year. And next year's draft is highly hyped at this point. Uh, I guess one question I have for you is, how much do you think that the uh, the shortened seasons, the pandemic, in some cases non seasons, have taken a bite out of this year's draft class in terms of their development? And secondly. You know, where do you grade the drop-off points? Is the what the, the top? How many guys are top end? How many are middle? Then, then where does it become like any other draft? I, I, you know, I think uh, I think Bill, what happens a lot of times, and, and you and me have talked about this at various points, it gets defined at the upper end of the draft. So if there's a McDavid in it, it's a great draft, right? <laughs> you know, yep. you know, like you know, we just we, we just went through the 2017 draft. Nico Hischer went one. Nolan Patrick went two. Was anybody talking about Kale McCarr? Was anybody talking about Miro Haskinen? They weren't. Cole Giroux, you said, went 22. Okay, I, I just forgot where he went, right? Like, was anybody talking about, oh, geez, it's a bad draft. I can't believe we have to draft Cole Giroux, right? There's good players that come out of every part of the draft. And, and it's going to be no different in this draft. Uh, you know, one of the things that, I, you know, I've, I've expressed more in, 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 in recent days, months, last year, if you get a regular NHL player out of the first round, you are doing really, really well. I think there's an over-evaluation of what players are. You know, yeah, you think there's, but there's very few stars in any draft. And there's even fewer superstars. So, you know, if we're going to define a draft like if there's a superstar, you're going to be disappointed in most drafts. <laughs> and if you're going to be defining a first round by, oh, there wasn't that many stars, that's every, that's every first round. And developing, putting players, understanding what you're going to get, getting, you're drafting 17 and 18 year olds. It takes time and you got to be really patient with that process and allowing them to develop. You don't take major league baseball players straight out of high school or players drafted in the major league draft and put them in the majors. Aaron judge was like a 30th round draft pick at 18 to the, to the Oakland athletics, but they saw some ability. He went back into the draft. He became a late first round draft pick to the New York Yankees. Now he's one of the, one of the great power hitters in, uh, in major league baseball. So I use him as an example, and I think it's a who, who knew that that uh, Aaron Judge was going to be a star. The kids. Nobody did. Nobody did, right? Yeah. But but it's the same thing with this draft. And, and to your point, Bill, the pandemic, the pause, cancellation, postponements have affected materially these young players. Yeah. Materially, I'll, I'll give you. I'll just give you a name of a player, Jagger Furcus. 
He plays in Moose Jaw. He's a really good young player. Like, and I, I'll be, I, I had nothing on him. I had nothing on him going into this year. Nothing. Because I didn't see him play. I didn't see him play at U17 tournaments. I didn't see him at, uh, uh, you know, playing as an underage in the Western Hockey League. He, he just didn't have an opportunity, and they were in a bubble. Now he comes in, he's got like almost 30 goals. He's a really good goal scorer. People go, well, why didn't you have him on your list? I, I didn't know him. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, I didn't. Like, like, what am I going to do? Put somebody on the list that I don't know, right? I didn't. But now you're watching it, and I'm not the only one trying to catch up with him. The NHL scouts are trying to catch up with yeah. him, right? And this is prevalent throughout the course of scouting. The Ontario Hockey League, all those players that would have been underages last year that you start to get a book on, they didn't play. You didn't have a book. So now you're picking it up and now you're trying to, you're trying to put all this development uh, projection over evaluation and observation over a very short period of time. You don't have the benefit of time to evaluate where they're at and say, geez, I've, I've watched them come from this point to this point to this point. It's really short. So it's a real challenge for the NHL scouts. And, you know, even after last year's draft guys, you know, I was told by a number of NHL personnel, that they miss players in the 03 group. Then they said, so we're not only trying to catch up to the 04s for the 2022 draft, we're going to be catching up with some 03s, yeah. you know, that we just didn't have an opportunity to get to see and evaluate. And so the, the work, the work is pretty enormous for the NHL scouts and the personnel trying to assess these players. Bill. And, yeah. and the pandemic has had a big impact on it. And not to mention, you know, such important developmental years yeah. for players at that age. I mean, it's so enormous to miss time. Craig, this was so awesome, man. I thank you so much for doing this. Um, you're a guy I love talking to you. You get the executive experience. You're a great broadcaster, director of scouting, all those things. This was a thrill, man. I know our audience is going to absolutely love it. I appreciate it so much. I want you to stay well, stay sane. And uh, as we get up to the trade deadline, and thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks, hey, Jason. Yeah, my pleasure, guys, Jason and Bill. One of the things, too, is like, I mean, I mean, you, you both do great work. You're passionate, you're knowledgeable and, 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 and you're fun. Right. And so, Jason, when you reached out to me, it's an automatic yes. And, ah. and that was that was uh, that was today. And uh, that will be any time in the future. That speaks to the to, to both of you and, and the quality of people and what you do. I, I love it. So thank you for reaching out to me and having me on your show. All right. Thanks, Craig, so much. Appreciate Thanks. the kind words. Thank you. There he is. Craig Button from TSN, Director of Scouting, joining us on Stick to Hockey Live. He is awesome, isn't he? He is. I, I love picking <laughs> I love picking Craig's brain just to see. Uh, he, there's so many areas he can touch on, you know, with a, with a great deal of knowledge and experience. So I love talking with him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it just the director of scouting part of it is huge as well. Um, Bill, thanks for jumping in, man. I really appreciate it because uh, – I wasn't sure if Craig was going to join us or not, and he was great enough to join us. But uh, getting to tag team him, I think, was awesome as well. I think the audience is going to love that. Yeah, was, had a great time. Thank you, Jason. All right, there he is, Bill Meltzer uh, on Stick to Hockey Live. Hey, the Park Sportsbook app is something you need to get because every Thursday on Stick to Hockey Live, we do a little segment. We tell you where to put your money. Now, if you do not have an account, you just download the app, you open up an account, you deposit, and this man, Tones Takes, We'll tell you where to put that risk-free $500 bet. So let's get to this week's edition of Tones Takes.
And there he is, my fellow bald-headed brother. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Jason? How you doing? Doing How good, are you? man. I, I'm like floating, man, from talking to Craig. Like He's got like just awesome energy. He's awesome. And, yep. Yeah, it's so much fun. And uh, I thank him so much for joining us. Um, let's let's get to the business because, you know, I'm telling people, hey, use that $500 risk-free bet on the Park Sportsbook app um, and uh, get in on the action. Tone's got some plays for you. So you, you're on fire with the props this season you're plus almost plus 28 units in the props you're plus 30 with your overall nhl record let's start with a team total tonight you like the bean town boys little brewing action yeah boston team total over three and a half plus 105 uh marshawn's coming back tonight give him a little boost uh they scored five goals the other day against colorado uh, Seattle has just given up a ton of goals this year, and that oh. could be attributed to their goaltending. Both their goalies are under uh, 90% save percentage. They actually haven't they, – they've been pretty decent defensively, but their goaltending has been atrocious, which is kind of surprising with Grubauer, who uh, you know, was Vesna finalist last year. Uh, they're giving up 3.82 goals per game at home. I faded them twice this week with the um, Islanders and then with the Canucks. I'm going to go to it again. Fade the Kraken, not release the Kraken. That's my motto. <laughs> yeah, well, here's the thing, you know, like Grubauer, Grubauer's going, shit, I yep. should have stayed in Colorado. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> right? Exactly. I took the cash. Exactly. But, uh, you know, Grubauer, too, um, I thought that that team of anything would be okay defensively because that seemed to be the direction they were going in this expansion draft. But they have been they, – they just can't keep the puck out of the net. You can't keep the puck out yeah. of the net. You no good. Um, yep. Let's get to a player prop here. Uh, a great place to put that $500 risk-free bet. Oh, we lost Tone. I think that was because of me, though. So we'll get Tone back on here. We're just talking about getting a, a player prop. There he is. He's back with us. Uh, a player prop on on Matthew Barzell. Yeah, sorry about that. I don't know what happened there. Uh, Barzell over, over two and a half shots on goal, plus 120. Um, when I do these props, I take a very tactical approach to them, especially now in the season. There's so much data available. Yeah. Uh, I, I look at, um, you know, team tendencies, team tendencies against positions. Uh, the Sharks give up 9.76 shots per game at home to centers, uh, 10.5 in the last 10. And Barzell on the road has hit this in 62% of his games, uh, five of his last, including five of his last six, totally 19 shots. So uh, he definitely shoots more on the road and at plus, plus money. I like this price. I think the Islanders are going to keep pressing the pace here. They kind of have to to get back into it, into it. So. Uh, and he plays on the top power play line. I look at that also. Yeah. Um, he's centering a top power play line. He's going to get those, those uh, power play minutes. So that goes into a lot of it also. Yeah, and he's a trigger on that power play because you got big guys that'll get in front, create traffic. He gets the shot. Rebound is the goal, but he still gets credit for the shot. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it's a great point, too, that you make. You know, at this point, you're 50 games in with most, most teams. And when you see that the Sharks give up 9.76 shots per game on, on goal, to centers, you know that's a nice spot. That's perfect. That's a great play and, and great data there that you're leaning on for it as well. Uh, let's go to the other side and let's go to a defenseman with a player prop here in Roman Yossi. Yeah, Yossi over three and a half shots plus plus one thirty. Love the value on it. Uh, he has 174 shots this this season on 331 attempts. It's about a 52 percent shot rate, uh, 3.5 average per game. And you look at Dallas, you figure maybe they may not give up a lot of shots. They may be a little defensively. They kind of are at home, but on the road, it's a different story. They give up 10.58 shots per game to defensemen on the road, which is the second highest in the NHL. 
uh, at yeah. home, that number goes down to 8.96. So this is what I'm talking about with like uh, home road splits and tendencies and stuff. And for a guy like Yossi, who is, you know, leading shot getter on that team, he, you know, at, at 3.5, I'm not crazy about, but I'm fine with it at plus 130. I don't want to lay juice on it, but plus 130, sign me up all day long. Yeah, it gives you a little value there as well. Yeah. I, I was told by a little birdie that even though, can I just get a good internet around here? I'm on an ethernet too. <laughs> It's such shit sometimes. Uh, I, I was saying that I, I was told by a little birdie that even though you were at a Flyers game, you had action on the Avalanche in another game, and you were watching more of that than the game you were at. Yeah, it was a game, and uh, I think it was like the early 2000s. Me and my buddy went down, buddy Dave. Uh, I don't even know who the Flyers are playing. It was a Sunday night. We were watching football. Didn't day matter. <laughs> Didn't matter, no. So third period comes along. I think we bet the uh, Colorado Avalanche here playing Minnesota. So Minnesota's up to like two nothing, like in the third period. So we're both looking at the scoreboard. We're sitting on first level. They're pretty good seats. Like they were, there was first level in the corner, maybe like twenty five rows up, twenty rows up. So they're pretty decent seats. And we're just looking at the scoreboard, scoreboard the entire time, and we're saying, all right, that zero is going to turn into a one. It did. And we're like, all right, that one's going to turn into a two. It did. And we're like, all right, that two is going to turn into a three, and Colorado is going to win this game. And it did. <laughs> this is like before you could actually just like watch the game on your cell phone, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. It's like early 2000. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. That's great. You just sit there. People they sit next to you going, What are they looking at up there? Yeah, like, exactly. Click. Oh, you did your high fiving and shit. That's yeah, awesome. awesome. Tone, uh, where can people see your stuff? Uh, at Tone's Takes on Twitter. Uh, post uh, hockey plays all, all day and all night long. I'll have more tonight once I get another look at the cards. So I appreciate uh so shout out Jason and having me on every week. And I appreciate everyone following. All right, everybody make sure you get in on tones takes. Thanks for doing this, man. All right. Thank you. Take care. There he is. Tones takes another edition here on park sports book presents stick to hockey live. I love the fact that tone rolled out for, for the, the prop, the Barzell prop that the sharks give up nine, give up 9.76 shots on goal per game to centers at home. And therefore, that's part of it goes into the equation of taking Matthew Barzell at plus two and a half shots on goal for the game at plus 120. That's at second level data and knowledge right there. I love absolutely love to see. That's how you put your money in smart places. And that's what you need to do on the Park Sportsbook app. So download it. Do yourself a favor. Download the app and get in on the action. Real easy to navigate. You'll have a great time doing it. And just open an account, deposit your money. As I was saying, this is the place to put your action. I'm going to have to reboot my modem, I think, uh, with the Park Sportsbook app. So, again, download, deposit, get the first bet risk-free, and check it out. You'll bet on player performances like a Barzell over two and a half shots on goal, plus 120, or over three and a half shots on goal for Roman Yossi at plus 130. You can bet on the games. You can get in all different ways to bet, first to score, exact score, last to score, period totals, you name it. It's all there for you on the Park Sportsbook app. And make sure you follow them on their social channels at Park Sportsbook on Twitter. Follow them on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook as well. Get great content, daily specials, and tons more. And of course, they present this fine podcast. We'll have the Ajis podcast with Harry Mays tomorrow. Slightly delayed this week with Harry traveling, but we'll have that for you coming up on a Friday uh, and uh, lead you into the weekend. But everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks to Craig Button for joining us from TSN. Thanks to Bill Meltzer for joining us, and thanks to Tones Takes, and thanks to you, everybody, for listening, watching. Leave us a rating and review. Make sure you subscribe, and we'll talk to you on a brand new Park Sportsbook Presents Stick to Hockey Live coming up on Monday. So have a great weekend, everybody. (laughs) 